Welcome to Interparty Conflict, the podcast where we answer your questions so you can have the best tabletop gaming experience possible. My name is Gabe. My name is Jeff. And we're going to answer your questions today. But first, I have a question. Jeff. Yeah. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, just kind of having a relaxing weekend. Not too yeah. bad. Uh, how about yourself? Um, so I think I complained last week about uh, I had I was I was going through some some difficult times with our washer and dryer and also with my job. Oh right, yeah. Um, so I think I said last time that uh, I had bought a new washer and dryer and then like got I took the day off work and then they rescheduled it and oh, they right, screwed yeah. me over, so I ended up getting one elsewhere. So I we've gotten our washer and dryer from the new place. We got the the new ones from from Best Buy. Uh, the previous place, I will not mention their name because they suck, but they are a, a big box uh, appliance slash hardware store. And so anyway, we got we got this uh, washer and dryer. However, that wasn't the end of the problem. They We had it delivered. I didn't pay extra for it to be installed because at the time I, I didn't, you know, it was, I was like, oh, I can install it for instead of paying like 200 bucks or whatever. Then I, I decided I did want them to install it because I didn't want to have to worry about it. But I found out that by that point, I had already made the order and they would have had to give, they would have to reschedule the, uh, the delivery date in order to change anything about it. Right. So yeah. I just figured, go ahead, you know, go ahead and have them deliver. So they delivered it. I went to go hook it up and I realized that it was not compatible with the gas line that we had. Oh. Also, when they delivered it, they informed me that the gas line that we did have was not up to code. Oh. So I called up our like heating and cooling people. And the estimate they gave us was basically a thousand dollars in order to make the gas line up to code just so that we could hook up the thing. Woof. And I mean, like I could have probably bought a, um, an adapter and then tried to connect it myself. But like with anything with gas, I've heard don't mess with it unless you're a licensed whatever, because so many things can go wrong. Right. Yeah. Like even if you're confident and you, you've, you know, even if you know what you're doing and you're confident, you know, it's, yeah. it, it, it still is just, I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mess with it. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, there were some more shenanigans I won't get into, but we finally, it is now, everything's hooked up. Uh, we've got our washer, we've got our dryer. Last night we were able to, to w- see, cause here, so here's the thing. We had a, wo- a working washer, but we didn't have a working dryer and I needed clothes. So we washed a few loads of clothes and then just like hung them up to dry. But like our towels, for example, we needed towels. Our towels are not friendly when they, when they hang dry. Mm. They were, all of our towels were like super stiff, like pointy. Sure. It was awful. But anyway, we made it through the week. Now we have a working washer and dryer. So, so last night we, we ran several loads of, of uh, clothes and they are now clean and comfortable. So oh, good. Well, uh, however, yeah. I'm still on my old job. That was another complaint I had. I was supposed to be moved to a new a new position like three weeks ago at this point, three or four weeks ago. And um, I keep being told, oh, you know, maybe on this day, maybe on this day. Right. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Um, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna step up my complaining game if, if tomorrow <laughs> comes around. Because like, well, because uh. the thing is. Um, the whole reason that I wanted to change my job, cause I love the job that I was working. I have no problem with the job itself, but if it continues with them pushing the date, I'm going to be like, look guys, I have a medical condition that makes this job painful for me. I have to move to a different job this, you know, or, or 
I don't know, I'm going to have to take more drastic measures. Like something has to be done about this. Right. If it yeah. was like I broke my hand or something and I couldn't work the job, they would have got, they would have moved me immediately, you know? Right. Yeah. So I'm go- like, I didn't want to have to to do that, but I'm going to, if, if after, you know, three weeks of having it pushed back and pushed back and pushed back, you know, something's got to be done. So I, I'm, I'm going to start bringing that up if, if I have to. Yeah. So. Uh, anyway, it's frustrating because I love my job. I love working where I work. It's just when there is a problem and I, it's hard, it's hard to get people moving, moving their feet to actually do something. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, so life sucks and then you die. <laughs> you want to get into this episode, Jeff? <laughs> sure thing, bud. All right. So Jeff, I want you to imagine. It's a, it's a nicer time. You know, it's a, it's a more simple time. You're in the arcade, Jeff. Ooh. Um, and, you know, you've got the, the games all around you, the sights, the sounds. You've got uh, the, the punch-out machine over there. You, um, you hear the berserk machine is saying, you know, oh, coin detected in pocket or whatever. And you've got your quarter in your hand, and you're wandering around all starry-eyed at all these things bright shiny uh shiny machines and then you see one that you've never seen before Ooh. you see it it's, it's way down at the end of the aisle you see that up on top it's got this big like foam dragon is sitting on top and its eyes light up and you can hear the roar of its of its flame breath and as you walk up to the screen you see the screen is showing this giant pile of gold and diamonds and rubies and all lights sh- you know shimmering off of them and uh, and so you you hold your your quarter and you you go to put it into the machine and then you look up at the at the title screen. Do you know what the title screen says, Jeff? You know what this game is called? What is it called? This game is called The Dragon's Horde. I don't know what kind of a game that would be, but <laughs> I don't know. A good one, cool. I guess. Uh, so today's magic item was submitted by James D. And this one's a little long, uh, but uh, it's a fun one. And I think uh, I, th- I think it's, you know, I, I think it's it's a, it's an okay length. But this one is the Wondrous Hammer of Fixing. And mm. maybe, maybe our listeners will see what this was inspired by. In a small city, a local bully, Ralph, fell into a murderous rage. In his uncontrolled state, Ralph began to destroy everything he could get his hands on. Only on the loud crack and shuddering of the building did he realize that he had made the inn unstable, so he ran to save himself. Walking by was a humble and good man, Felix, a carpenter by trade. Seeing the destruction before him and the screams from above, with no thought to his own safety, ran into the ruined bottom floor to help. Using the broken debris all around and his trusty hammer, Felix began to quickly shore up the failing supports. Even the cuts on his hands from the jagged edges didn't stop him. No, there were lives in danger. As he bled on his hammer, Felix prayed to any deity that could hear him, Please, just one more board. So intent on his task, Felix didn't notice the hammer glowing or the supports starting to repair themselves. For the goddess of hope, Duna, had heard his prayer and answered, placing a divine blessing on the hammer. This item is a humble claw hammer and requires attunement. When it is attuned to any non-good cleric, 
it allows the user to cast mending at will. And I'll actually make a small edit to this if I could, uh, uh, James D. I'm gonna say that any anyone can attune to it, but if you are not a good cleric, this is what it does. The, the item itself makes it sound like you only get to do this if you're a cleric. I would sure. say anybody can use the can use this effect, the mending effect. The mending, um, sure. But you have to be a good cleric to get the later ability. So anyway, when anyone is attuned to it that is not a good cleric, they can cast mending at will. When it is attuned to a good cleric, however, they get they have mending at will. They can cast spiritual weapon, which takes the form of a warhammer, three times per short rest, and they can cast beacon of hope once per long rest. Uh, when it is attuned, it starts with one charge per character level. You can uh, use this to cast Cure Wounds for one charge. There's a D&D wiki spell called Repair, which is a first level spell that um, like repairs constructs or objects. So you can cast that for three charges. There's another spell called Restore that I, after a glance at, I'm not entirely sure what it... I think it, it's it's a first level spell, but it is a an instantaneous mending spell. I think it also repairs magic items. Mm. It's a little confusing. I don't yeah. know. Whatever the case, you can, there's this other spell you can cast for five charges, or it says you can cast Miracle for ten charges. Whoa. So um, Whoa. I, I think the idea, though, is that you can't do that until you're at least level ten. Right. I guess. Re well, it recharges... It starts. It does say with, recharges one d four plus one at dawn. At dawn, but does it have a maximum number of charges? Is the max number of charges your level? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm not sure. When I first <laughs> read this, I was thinking that the max was your level, but it doesn't say that. I, I, I'd say that's a that that's a good balance, though. Well, that's a better than not having. A, <laughs> yeah. Then again, I'm assuming that this is a D and D wiki version of the spell Miracle too, because I don't think Miracle is a spell in Fifth uh, Edition. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Um, but anyway, so recharges 1d4 plus 1 at dawn. I'm not entirely sure exactly which which things that that applies to. To increase the spell level of any ability, use, the, use, uh, use one charge per level. If depleted of charges, all powers are lost for a number of days equal to the max charges. Then it reactivates at dawn. It recharges as normal. The spiritual weapon is as the spell, except it is concentrated on the hammer, and only the wielder sees the spell effect. Everyone else just sees the hammer itself. It is rumored that when unwinding for the day, the holder of the hammer could tap the side of a mug or glass and it would fill with your beverage of choice. Up to a gallon a day, previous liquids vanish on the following dawn. <laughs> so, yeah. So, it's uh, it's definitely based off of uh, the movie Wreck-It Ralph. Cool. Ralph being the bully that breaks the building and then Felix being the uh, repairman who fixes it all. Um, but, uh, yeah. You know, it has different abilities that... that fix things that uh you know you can attack with a spiritual hammer gives people hope that sort of thing cool so yeah the thing see here's the thing with with long items there is rarely be whenever there's a lot of text it's it's hard to get more discussion out of it than just reading the text sure so like in this case i don't really have much more to say about it pretty much everything has been said by the item itself you know yeah. it could use a little bit of work like stating specifically that the has a maximum charges of your level and so on right um, yeah you know it would be neat if there were uh if there were official spells that it could use in place of the D, &D wiki ones but mm -hmm. yeah fabricate fourth level spell oh shoot yeah fabricate that'd be great for like the five charges one 
Yeah, for sure. Like, Fabricate's actually one of my favorite spells, because it's just like, I want to craft something, I have the materials, and not a lot of time. Yeah. I want to I want to put something together. I think it's really cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that'd be that'd be good. That would be good good one to throw on there. Sure. I mean, I don't know what Miracle does because yeah, Miracle is not on the fifth edition uh, spell list. Yeah. There, there's also one of the uh, cleric domains that's like crafting or something. Oh yeah. I forget. Yeah, like the for- forge. Uh, forge. Yeah, domain. forge domain. So maybe there's something. Maybe there's something in there that can be added to it. Yeah. But no, I like I like I like crafting themed stuff. Yeah. 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 It's cool. Uh, I'm I'm thinking that maybe the miracles is meant to be the um, tenth level cleric ability, divine intervention. Okay. Um, but uh, I don't know. I don't know that that could use a little bit of of cleaning up as well. But you know, otherwise it's a it's a fun item. I like the I like the history. I like the theming. You know, I love Wreck-It Ralph. It's one of my favorite movies. So <laughs> you know, some good stuff in there. Just yeah, a little, little bit of cleaning up of the of the mechanics. I think would make it uh, even better. Sure. So yeah, that was uh, the. Wondrous Hammer of Fixing, submitted by James D. Thank you very much, James D. Uh, Jeff, if anybody else wanted to submit magic items for us to talk about in the Dragon's Horde, or questions for us to discuss, or stories for the Funeral Pyre, or Retirement Village, or whatever else we're doing with that segment, uh, how would they get those to us? <laughs> they could send us an email at interpartyconflict at gmail.com, or join us on our interparty discord at bit.ly slash discord. That's correct. And uh, before we go any further, we have a giveaway to give away today. As usual, we're giving away a copy of Unearth Tips and Tricks Volume 2, courtesy of Crit Academy. Unearth Tips and Tricks Volume 2 is a collection of 25 character concepts, encounter concepts, monster variants, magic items, player tips, and DM tips, all from the Crit Academy podcast. Tons and tons of content in there for players and DMs alike. So uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a great supplement. And Jeff, who is the winner of this great supplement today? Today's winner is Timothy K. Whoa, 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 winner. Gobble, gobble, gobble. Yes. Uh, Congratulations, Timothy K. You should be getting that in your email pretty soon. If you haven't gotten it within the next few days, let us know, of course. And be sure to leave Crit Academy a review. If you leave them a review, the more reviews they have, uh, the more attention they get. Also, the more they know to improve on in the future. So, uh, yeah. Thank you to Crit Academy. Congratulations to Timothy K. Jeff, if anybody else wanted to be like Timothy K and win a free copy of this great supplement, how would they do so? They can send us an email at interpartyconflict at gmail.com with unearthed tips and tricks to in the subject line. That's correct. Uh, yeah. So big thank you to Crit Academy for helping give give out uh, helping us give out all these free copies of this supplement. It's great. Next up, I want to thank all of our wonderful patrons for helping make the show happen. Patreon is an online platform. You can pledge to donate a certain amount of money per month to the creator of your choice and uh, get some cool stuff in return. So if you check ours out at patreon.com slash interpartyconflict, we have a few different tiers. We've got on the lowest tier, we've got outtakes. Today, as as we record this, I just put out a, another outtake apocalypse. So like 15 <laughs> people got 15 notifications uh, today, which I tried to warm them ahead of time via the Discord. Right. I've also got a bunch of fantasy fiction that I've written. On the next tier up, we've got a monthly bonus podcast called Interpatron Conflict, where we talk about various topics every month. And then on the top tier, we've got a monthly Roll20 game, which I'm going to, I think I've scheduled, I think it's going to be like the Saturday after this episode goes out. So um, yeah, got some really cool stuff on there. Lots of great stuff for all of our patrons. And, and you know, just a big, huge thank you to everybody who has donated to us during these times, who has, who has uh, continued to support us. We really, really appreciate it. We know that your money is is especially valuable 
nowadays than it was maybe compared to a couple of years ago. So we appreciate that you guys are willing to to donate to us, even though things are tough right now. So yeah, really you. big thank you. Um, so yeah, big thank you to all of our patrons. And uh, once again, that's patreon.com slash interpartyconflict. And then uh, one last thing, check out the other podcasts on the Crit Nation Fellowship. We've got Crit Academy, critacademy.com. Justin, Ian, and Austin create new and reusable content for players and DMs alike. The Kind GM podcast is a an advice podcast like our own, but focused specifically at uh, at running a game rather than necessarily playing a game. And then check out Brute Force and Ignorance. They're an actual play podcast. They're still on hiatus, unfortunately. Um, and uh, also check out D&D Character Lab, where Garen and Dan made characters every week and pitted them against each other to debate whose characters were better. So enough of all that. Let's get into some questions, Jeff. Our first question comes from Ragnar Dragonfire on Reddit, and they ask, What do you do when a player writes an epic backstory for a first-level character? Yeah, and small disclaimer, uh, th- this particular Reddit user didn't actually, didn't specifically submit that question, but this is, this is a topic that we've talked about on the podcast in the past, and I was in a Reddit discussion recently, this was Ragnar Dragonfire was one of the people that I that I was I was kind of going back and forth with a bit, and so um, the 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 contentious topic was, you know, is it okay basically to make a first level character who has an epic backstory, and if if it is okay, so I wanted to use that to get some discussion for if it is okay, how do you how do you uh, rationalize that? How do you fit that all together? Yeah. If it's not okay, why isn't it okay? Now I'll say I do think it's okay. Like that's gonna, that's gonna be my stance. But you know, let's talk about some of the reasons why why one person could think that it is okay. I'll even I have some examples of why people think it's not okay. We'll kind of go through those, and then you know we can talk about that. Talk about how to make this work if it's something that you want to do. Mm-hmm. So, so like yeah, we've talked about this in the past. Yeah. Um. I've been pretty outspoken about, uh, you know, I, I think that you shouldn't be limited by what level your character is because level isn't really a thing. It's not a thing in the universe. It's, you know, it's something outside of the game. So I don't think that you should be limited in game. What What are your thoughts on that, Jeff? I think off the off the bat, I, I believe like, yeah, if you want to make your character's backstory as epic as possible, go ahead and do it. Yeah. But... I feel like if you are going to have a big epic backstory, you should definitely like talk with your DM about it because there is going to be there is going to need to be some work done to fit it into everything else. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I would never want to like stop anybody from having the cool backstory. Um, but I, but I do, I do see where the problems lie. I do sure. like it. It can be really challenging and difficult, and it and it can also like make things awkward for everybody else in the, in the group. Sure. Um, in some cases, so, you know, like most things, there's a way to do it right. And a way to do it wrong. Um, there's a way to, a way to react to it, right. And a way to react to it wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's not going to be unilaterally good and unilaterally bad, but I just think that if you, if you do make a blanket statement of if you're a first level character, your character was a peasant or your character didn't do anything of note before level one. If you say that, if you make that as a blanket rule, you're cutting yourself off from a lot of fun world building, a lot of fun character building. And, you know, again, I know some reasons why some people would 
not want to do that, but again, just you're you're cutting yourself off unnecessarily. You yeah. Know? If if you're gonna cut off everything that could be done poorly, you're not gonna be left with much game afterwards. If you're gonna cut something out of the game just because bad players are going to do it badly, then yeah, you're not going to have much game left afterwards. So if you're going to make such a such a judgment call, do it based on something a little bit more concrete than, you know, like the slippery slope or whatever. Mm-hmm. In this discussion, uh, I saw a lot of people saying things like, you know, I don't want my players to show up with a 200-page backstory. Like, okay, how many of you have actually had a player show up with a 200-page backstory? You know, right. if it's a matter of the length, because, okay, I can imagine, I can totally understand if someone shows up with a backstory that's even like five pages long, I'm probably not going to read it. I mean, if I am going to read it, I'm I'm not going to be excited to do so. If you're going to give your DM players, if you're going to give your DM a long backstory, give them a too long, didn't read version. Give them like a yeah. one paragraph synopsis and then go into the greater detail. I've written plenty of character backstories that were super long. I've, I've, you know, I, my first, I wrote a novel about 10 years ago that was basically just a character backstory slash like recount of the events of the first half of our campaign. And I did that just because I was so excited to play the character. I would, I would never want a DM to say, you aren't allowed to be excited, so excited about that character that you want to write a story about it. You know, I would never want them to, to shut that down. I would never sh- want to shut that down in somebody else. But if it's a question of the length being an obstacle for anybody reading it, then okay, that's an easy solution. If the story is just too long and nobody wants to read it, then then just don't give them the super long version. You know, uh, give them a shorter version. Maybe, yeah, one paragraph or something like that. If you can give someone a one-sentence pitch for who your character is, that's great. And then as the campaign goes, you know, maybe they'll be more interested in it now they've seen your character. Another thing is that um, a lot of people were saying that they didn't want players to, they didn't want players to have come up with a whole story. Like people said that like the one person said, quote unquote, the point of D&D is to make the story as you go and not to already have a story that already happened. And like, okay, what Mm. arguments about what quote unquote, the point of D&D is aside, um, I can understand that. But nobody ever criticizes the DM for having <laughs> a ton of backstory for the campaign. Right. Even yeah. though it may never come into the game. Right. If they got a bunch of world building that they want to just shove in, they want to front load, you know. Exactly. Because like, here's the thing. If a DM handed me a 200 page campaign primer, sorry, DM, I'm not reading this. Give me <laughs> five pages. I'll read that eventually. Like... <laughs> A lot of this changes completely if you view it as the DM doing it compared to the players. And the DM is already the one who's got a ton of work on their plate anyway. So, like, if a player wants to take the time and come up with how their character got to to be where they are, and I'm not even talking about whether the the events of their backstory are epic or not. Just if a player is excited and they want to write a story about their character, let them... Don't ever tell your players stop being excited about this game. Right, yeah. 
So many DMs would kill to have players who would write one page about their character. <laughs> if you don't want to read the 200-page backstory that I'm sure nobody ever actually gave you, then don't read it. But don't don't blame someone for being so excited that they are willing to do so. Right. So yeah, if their backstory is too long, ask for a one-paragraph pitch or something. Right. Uh, so another thing, so a, a big part of this is the whether the events of their backstory are quote unquote suitable for a first level character if a first level character has a backstory of oh yeah i used to be like a champion prize fighter or something or i used to be a general in the army i yeah. used to be an archmage i used to be a king so on yeah. and so on and so I on i used to be a dragon slayer exactly um a lot of people would say no, you're only first level. You can't be a dragon slayer. And actually, dragon slayer, I think, was was the example that uh, Ragnar Dragonfire used as like the example of an unrealistic backstory. And so that's actually one that I will be addressing. So I've said before, I'll say it again. Level is a game construct and does not exist in the game, in universe, unless the DM wants it to. Your character doesn't know what level they are. Your character does not know what CR a monster is. You can say to someone, there's no way you killed a dragon. You the, you cannot say you aren't high enough level to have killed a dragon. I'm talking about in-universe. A, a, a peasant in the village is not going to say you're only level one, you couldn't have killed a dragon. Right. They might say, oh, a dragon's a giant monster would have swallowed you in one bite or something. You know, yeah, they might not believe them, you know, still, but exactly. It's not, it's not a limitation of their level. It's just that, that peasant just doesn't think that of them. Right. Now, the one little exception that I will get out of the way is hard to reconcile. And that's like specifically spell slots, I guess, high level class abilities. Certain abilities exist in the fiction, you know, like ninth level spells are a thing in the fiction. They are a thing that first level characters don't have. Yeah. A person could say a person with the adequate knowledge of magic could say time stop. No, your character could not cast time stop. You aren't a high enough, you know, level of wizard in universe level of wizard to have cast time stop. I think that for various reasons, I think that's a bit of an unrealistic discussion to be occurring in universe, but that that is a thing that is hard to reconcile. And if that's part of the crux of the argument, okay, maybe you can tell your player you can't do that because, because specifically spell levels are a thing in universe. However, aside from spell levels, there aren't really, there isn't anything that a character gets at higher level that is like quantifiably different than what you can do at lower level. Like, okay, sure, if you're a monk, you've got more abilities, you've got more key things or whatever. But if you are doing a good job of, of maintaining the fiction, everything can be justified by its magic or it's, you know, everything is equally impressive to the average commoner. Right. Yeah. The, the example I've used a lot before is Gandalf. Gandalf in, in Lord of the Rings only ever cast what we know as like second level spells, basically because the a few of the lower level spells were based specifically off of things that Gandalf did in Tolkien's writing. Sure. So 
If the highest level spell that Gandalf casts was second level, you can point at Gandalf and be like, so was he only a third or fourth level wizard? Now, I brought this up in this Reddit discussion I have in the past. People always come back. And this is this is a great example for this because people always come back with, no, 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 Gandalf was a demigod. Gandalf was like this celestial being that mm-hmm. could do this and this and this. And my response is, yeah, he did that in his backstory. Right. <laughs> In the fiction, in the story of Lord of the Rings, Gandalf does very little that would be game mechanics. Like right. people say, oh, he was a DMPC coming and going and so on. And all the things he did were mysterious or whatever. But like there is nothing, literally nothing stopping someone from making a fourth level wizard doing all of the actions that Gandalf did in Lord of the Rings and then having all of... Gandalf's backstory as their backstory too. People always have this knee-jerk reaction of, no, 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 you can't do that. He was clearly something way bigger and better. And my response is, so can your characters be. (laughs) You could be an Asimar, which is basically a celestial being. I mean, I don't know exactly what, uh, what type of celestial being Gandalf was. I don't know that much about the lore. But you could just, you could have the same backstory as Gandalf and then play as a fourth level character and then it would be there would be no quantifiable difference between your character and Gandalf's character if you looked at what they did side by side like there's a part that Gandalf you know fights the the Balrog or whatever that basically happens off screen unless i'm mistaken in the books i mean in the movie you see like a a scene of it or whatever but like there are so many ways to rationalize that within the game mechanics as him being a low-level character. Nothing in the game mechanics is going to conflict with Gandalf being a a mid-to-low-level PC. In the same way, you can make characters that have a cool backstory, and it's okay. Like I said, like I don't want my players to have a 200-page backstory. Like Again, Gandalf has way more than 200 pages of, of backstory. He has, if I'm not mistaken... I could be wrong, but I think the Silmarillion is entirely Gandalf's backstory. There is so there are so many hundred pages of backstory for Gandalf, mm-hmm. and nobody bats an eye. I mean, you might not read it; you don't need to read it in order to to read Lord of the Rings. The Hobbit is itself a backstory for an item that exists in the Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. So many people are so against this thing that when viewed by something they're already familiar when they, when they view it in the context of something they're already familiar with and that they already like they're perfectly fine with it sure so it, it's just it's it's crazy to me that people are so resistant to a player creating such a thing when uh you know these sort of things already exist in popular fiction like all popular fiction even the ones that are based on D&D operate outside of level. I've read books that are based on on D&D campaigns. I've read some of the Dragonlance books. I've read a few of the, a couple of the Forgotten Realms books and a couple of the Eberron books. And like, guess what, guys? Fights in those books don't consist of he attacks and misses. He attacks and does, you know, a portion of his enemy's life force. He attacks again. He attacks again. No, fights are like one swing, that guy's dead. Thrown dagger, that guy's dead. Jump out of a thing, the thing explodes, everybody's dead. Like, <laughs> it happens in popular fiction, and 
it can happen in your backstory too. Smaug, once again, going with the, the Lord of the Rings, you know, the Tolkien stuff, Smaug the big dragon, unless I'm mistaken, it's been a long time since I read The Hobbit, Smaug was killed by one arrow. One arrow into his weak point killed him. Yeah. In D&D, sure, you can get a critical hit, but a critical hit, no matter what, is not going to be enough to kill a, you know, a gargantuan dragon. It's just not going to happen. But it happens in fantasy fiction. Therefore, it can happen in your backstory. In the game, in an actual combat, no, you're not going to be killing a dragon with one arrow. But we're not talking about stuff that actually happens during the game. We're talking about backstories. I always kind of picture backstories as being like the idealized, fictionalized version of what actually happened. Sure. Similarly, if you were to write a book after the campaign is over, you probably wouldn't have been standing there in front of the the ogre attacking, next round, attacking, next round, attacking. That's not fun to read. Right. You would be writing the book as, I jumped in there, I stabbed him in the heart, and he was dead. Right. Or, yeah. you know, he threw me through a window, and then I climbed back in and whatever. So similarly, view if you view backstories as the same thing, then it's not... With the Dragon Slayer example, it's not like, oh yeah, I had enough hit points to stand there and whittle down the dragon's hit points until it died. No, I'm a Dragon Slayer because, you know, the dragon flew by me, I threw a dagger, it caught it in its weak point, and the dragon died. You know, that kind of a framing makes much more sense for a quote-unquote Dragon Slayer backstory than just the actual game mechanics of fighting a dragon would be. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, the backstory is, yeah, it's supposed to be it's supposed to be more interesting than, <laughs> yeah. than the mechanics. Oh man, could you imagine if somebody wrote a character backstory that played out like a D and D? He campaign? rolled a thirteen, <laughs> like yeah. Um, and then we all insisted on going to the tavern at the same time instead of going separately because because uh, yeah. we didn't want to get caught unaware. Right, you don't ever split the party. We all yeah, we all traveled within five feet of each other at all times. <laughs> um, so yeah, like yeah, you can definitely like, see like backstories is more like a folk folklore kind of tale of mm-hmm. of you know the great deeds that you've done in the past but at the same time like there there are going to be players that like are going to be like no 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 this this is exactly what happened like this is what like my my you know my character was an archmage like it like is an archmage like they might they might insist that these things are you know uh, you know, one-to-one representation of their abilities in the game or something, you know? And yeah. like that, and that could just be a less experienced, you know, player, somebody who like, sure. somebody who got a little bit too excited about the idea of what their character is. So like, I, th- I think there should be some like, like limitation on their enthusiasm. Um, like, or you don't, you don't want, you don't want somebody to have like too high of an expectation of what the game is going to be like, or if, you know, okay. specifically for like newer players. Um, you don't want to. You don't want somebody to overhype their own character just to find out that they're not going to be doing any of that stuff for a while. Um, yeah. So like, you might need to curb their enthusiasm to, to kind of like just just to make sure that they're not going to get like they're not going to be bummed out within the fir- with within the first few levels of the of the game. Yeah, because um, you know, to to an extent, I I am assuming some level of uh, of competence on part of the players. Like some level, not competence, maybe competence is an unfair word to use. Some level of um, familiarity mm-hmm. from the players, familiarity with how, how a game is going to go. Yeah. Um, but I mean, counterpoint, Jeff, 
Have you ever encountered a player that did try to do those things? Um, I'm not, I'm not saying that such players don't exist. To an extent, yeah. I, th- I feel like to an extent, yeah, kind of. Okay. Like just you know, like they they just like their their character's backstory kind of like played a little bit too much into what they were expecting out of the game. I don't know. It's yeah. it's the expectation. It's the it's like. Like, and it doesn't have to be much like, cause like somebody could want their backstory to be like, Oh, you know, basically I am, uh, Legolas from Lord of the Rings. And so you're like, you want to be this cool elf fighter ranger, whatever you want to put them in down as. Um, yeah. And it's like, yeah, you're not, you know, but they, they had the expectation they're going to be able to do all the stuff that Legolas can do. And it's like, well, like not, it's not within the, that's, that's maybe something that your character will be able to do later on, but not right now. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think, I think it's, I, I think, yeah, I think my only caught, my only, uh, hesitation with this is like people could get, ha- have such a great expectation of what their character is going to, going to be able to do just because they put it in their backstory. But I, I think when it, when you're talking about like people who have, people who are more experienced and don't have like that, you know, that aren't going to have that expectation, but still want to have a cool epic backstory. Sure. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. Cause like, it is one of those things you really got to work with your DM and you have to be, yeah. you have to be willing to make concessions and like, like, okay, you're a dragon slayer. You slayed a dragon, but Either it was a sickly dragon, like maybe it was a sickly dragon, or maybe you had help of several other people that died and you were the only one left. And so sure. like, yes, you were the one who made the final blow, but like you were just a squire at the time and the knight that you were squiring for like did most of the work, but then died at the hands of the dragon. And then you were able to slay the dragon's last hit point, you know, sure. or something like that. So you are, yes, indeed a dragon slayer. But, you know, it, it will fit more into, you know, the, the level scaling, the, you know, like the power scaling that is, is present in the world, but not, you know, but it doesn't have to be so specific to like levels. See, I, I feel like, um, I definitely think that none of the, nobody's backstory should be completely immutable from the moment the player puts pen to paper until, you know, whenever, like it, any backstory, the DM should should be worked with the DM to make it fit the world, mm-hmm. whether it is based on epic feats or just based on, oh, I'm from this town, and the DM be like, Oh, can you be from this town instead? Like Right, yeah. I, I would I would not fault anyone for wanting to, you know, change some details. Like, let's say they do want, yeah, they do want to be a dragon slayer. Yeah, a DM saying, like, okay, you were with a bunch of people and then those people died. You know, you're the only survivor the surviving dragon slayer. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like nobody, whether you are, are trying to create an epic backstory or not, nobody should be unwilling to accept that change. Yeah. I don't really view that necessarily. I don't view that as shutting down a player for wanting a bit an epic backstory because that's not the same thing. That's just, you're coming up with more details. I even wouldn't fault a DM for having that be a later retcon. Maybe the player thinks that they killed the dragon all on their own, but it's just because they were so distraught at the grief of all of their companions dying that they told themselves, no, it was just me. I was the only one who did it. And they've been telling themselves that story for years and years. And that's why, like, even in their mind, 
they're the only ones that did it. Yeah. I mean, and I, like, I think this is, this is all like assuming a certain level of like maturity. Yeah. Uh, yeah just definitely. Cause, just cause like someone could be like, no, I want to be the, I want to be like, I want to be this guy who is this, who's this awesome dragon slayer. Like, I just want to be that guy. And they're like, okay, okay, well that doesn't quite fit into the world. How about this? And they're like, no, I want to be the dragon slayer. Like, Sure. You know, it's like they, they, they're they just they don't want to make any concessions. They want to they want to be this all powerful character from the get go, even though we've all said, OK, we're starting from level one. Yeah. Uh, so like there there, you know, there will be those times when when somebody just just wants to be the cool character and doesn't care that there's mechanics involved. Sure. It, it is one of those. It is just one of those weird things that just needs to be worked on by the entire group really i i feel like there is no reason you can't overlook this right you overlook so many things for the sake of fiction you can overlook a backstory that mechanically could not have happened yeah i just only think that like as long as the player who made the backstory isn't expecting anything extra out of it yes then it being their backstory sure so, so one thing that I would say is story never begets mechanics unless the DM says it does. So if a player says to you, oh, in my backstory, my character has, he was cursed by a god and now anytime he touches anybody with his right hand, is that character dies. I would right. say, well, hold on a second. Do you have a game mechanic that does that? No, then it doesn't happen. Like you, you, that can be part of your backstory. Now you got to come up with with a reason for why it won't come into play. Right. Yeah. Um our friend Steve was is is looking to uh you know do some sort of not I don't know if I don't think he's trying to like run a full game. He wants to run some sort of like a, a an Eberron game and so we are Yumi and Jay are making characters for it. Yeah. Um while I was making my character for this, I had the thought it would be cool if my character was like I was basically my character is kind of like Batman. If my character was some sort of either a rich person or a influential politician that in his free time is a masked vigilante. Mm-hmm. But I understood before I even suggested it to him, I understood now we have to come up with reasons for why I won't be solving all of my problems through money or political power. I understood right. that. If Steve had said that, I would have been like, way ahead of you, Steve. I get it. The story is not going to beget the mechanics. I will never in the game be like, oh, well, I should have a bigger bonus on my persuasion check because I'm a politician or my realistically a deception check. Am I right? (laughs) So story shouldn't beget mechanics unless the DM says it does. If the DM says, okay, that's a cool thing. I'll give you like a once per day ability you can touch that guy and deal some necrotic damage or something like that's that's a thing the dm has the ability to do yeah however it's not there unless uh unless you have the mechanics for it story never begets mechanics but mechanics can beget story you can say my character is proficient in this skill therefore here's part of my backstory to to justify it you would never say my character in my backstory can do this, 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 and this. So give me extra, uh, proficiencies. You can never say that. That's if you make that clear to your players, anytime a player suggests that they should 
be able to do something extra mechanically, shut them down. Unless you're okay with it, in which case you're taking it in your own, your own your own hands. Story doesn't get mechanics unless the DM says it does, but mechanics can beget story. Mm-hmm. Now, if what they're trying to get is story-based, if I make a character that is rich, is a politician, and so on, if we are trying to solve a mystery... I could say, I could say, okay, I know the laws around here, so therefore my character would know the lawless places, and that's where we're going to go. That's where we're going to look. If we know this is happening in some sort of a lawless place, but we don't know which one, I could say my character would know because of his backstory. Yeah. That's different. And I mean, I, maybe the maybe Steve in that case would say no, but I feel like most, D, I'm telling most DMs out there, I'm telling you, let players do that. If you have information you want to give out, it is way easier to give it automatically based on a character's backstory than it is to have them roll and then get upset when they roll too low and then you can't give them that information. <laughs> yeah, the game the grinds to a halt whenever the players don't know what they're supposed to do. Yeah. So if a player has a a, a narrative reason to be able to just automatically bypass something, let them do it. Right. Yeah. Like if if they're using their epic backstory to make the make the game move forward. Yes. Like let them do that. Absolutely. You know, it's it's only when they're like trying to get super cool abilities because they right. want to be the cool, you know, superhero character or whatever. Yeah. That's when it's yeah. And don't get me wrong, it took me a long time to come to that realization. I can understand DM still being like, oh, I want them to have to succeed on this check. I want them to have to go on this side quest in order to get the thing. But dude, just let them do it. They will feel so much cooler for bypassing that that encounter just from their fame as a dragon slayer Mm. than they would have. They won't feel as cool going through a long and boring fight to, to get to where they need to go. Yeah, it should. Yeah, it's like story progression shouldn't have to be earned. Like you don't, you don't have to like. It it, it shouldn't be so hard to earn. You know, like to, sure. like to move forward in a in a in a story. Like that's you know that's the the fun part is telling the story. Yeah. So it, it shouldn't be you know it shouldn't be too much work to to move forward. So if they have a way to do it, let them do yeah. it. Thinking about this when when I when I create. At least nowadays, when I create backstories for my characters, I've like I've already got the mechanics of my character figured out. Yeah, like I already know where they're gonna be at what level, what they're gonna ha- what they're gonna be like at what level. So like I start like I already know where my character's starting point is. So then I build, I kind of you know I build my backstory backwards. Like I go from you know level one, like I build my character all the way to level twenty mechanics wise because I just I like to have an idea of where I'm going with my build. Yeah, but then when it comes to the backstories, I go, okay, I know what I'm going to be at level twenty. Let me look at look at myself at level one and go, okay, you know, how did I get to that point? And then I and I go from there. And sure. I think that's that comes from knowing the mechanics, knowing the game really well. You know, like having made a bunch of characters where I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm never going to question what I'm going to be able, like what my character is capable of. Mm-hmm because I know the rules and the mechanics. So like when I go to build the backstory, it's not going to like, I can make it really epic, but I'm still going to make it within, you know, the scope of my character's abilities. 
Yeah. So I like, I think again, it is, it is a lot of, you know, uh, experience and maturity, uh, you know, of the person making the backstory that is going to, you know, that it's going to make it a problem or not. Sure. I feel like I, maybe this is painting with a wide brush and maybe that's unfair, but I feel like most of the time when a player tries to argue that their backstory should give them some sort of a mechanical ability or whatever, they know it's not allowed. They're, they are <laughs> trying to push the boundaries and see what they can get out of you. Right, yeah. That may not be fair to say of everybody, but right. most of the time, I feel like every time I've heard a story of someone doing that, and maybe most, if not all of the times that I've encountered that personally, I was pretty sure that the person knew that this wasn't, you know, that this wasn't really how the game works. But if they could, you know, maybe if they could just get me to overlook that, they could have an extra little bit of power or so on and so on. Yeah. And it's like, if you do have like a, if you come up with a really cool idea and you're like, oh, that is, that does sound like a really fun idea. Let me bring it up to the DM and see if this is cool. Like, can we maybe work, work something out here? Sure. You know, and they might go, yeah, that is a cool idea. We'll we'll figure something out. Maybe we'll give you a little can, like an extra can trip that does something like that or, you know, or whatever. And then and in that case, the DM can go and it can go like, OK, well, if I'm going to give this person a little extra power, maybe I can see if uh, any of the other players like have a cool idea that they were kind of on the fence that, that they weren't sure would, would be OK. I don't know. Sure. It's like if you know if if you're gonna if you're gonna let somebody get a little extra boost, you might as well ask the other players like anything you got in mind that you know could help level the playing field a little bit. Yeah, I mean, like if you are if you're gonna give something to one person, give it to others. You know, say hey, what's ever what's something from everybody's backstory that I can give you some sort of a cool unique ability from? Sure. Yeah, and you yeah, know, and that- if you can if you can turn it into an opportunity to make the players feel cooler. Everyone is going to benefit from that. Now, one thing that uh, I believe it was one thing that Ragnar Dragonfire said was, if your backstory is more cool or epic than the campaign you're about to embark on, why would your character even bother joining the party? After all, and this is the example they gave, after all, if you're an accomplished dragon slayer, fighting some goblins should be beneath you. (laughs) Now, my response to that was like, in the real world, there are so many celebrities, so many rich people that through various circumstances end up down in the dumps, end up working beneath themselves, quote unquote, beneath themselves right? to get by. <laughs> to say, yeah, I used to be a dragon slayer only puts food on the table for so long. Right. I mean, how many times have you seen that commercial where an where a used to be a list as like actor is like is like now on a commercial for I don't know like some car or something. I don't sure. know. Sure. Like, no. Exactly. You're, Perfect. You're like, yes. oh man, work's not so good right now, huh? Exactly. I feel like while this was meant as an example of why you shouldn't do this, I'm like, I want to play that character. I used to be a dragon slayer. So now what happened to me mm-hmm. that I have to take, I, the only quests that I can go on are to fight freaking goblins. Yeah. I have to kill rats in a basement. That's how low I have sunk. 
Yeah, like maybe your character's getting old, or maybe they are they've taken to drinking or something. Or, sure, you know, it could be like a uh, uh, Inigo from uh, Princess Bride. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like you know, he's he has a drinking problem. Like he's an amazing fighter, but he has a drinking problem. So maybe that's the you know you used to be the best swordsman. Yeah, but now you're kind of not you're you're not on top of your game anymore and so now you're back at first level quote unquote sure i feel like it should be i know that D doesn't do this but everyone should be willing to accept narratively that characters are going to grow and shrink in power at different rates like you know, you, everybody talks about like, oh, the the archmage that you know that they it took them like two hundred years to reach the highest echelon of power or whatever. But then you actually play a wizard in D anD D, and you've got like fifty years of backstory, and then in the next two months you make it to twentieth level All because right. of just how D anD D works. Yeah. So growing in power at at wildly different rates is is fine. We should also be okay with the idea that sometimes people shrink in power. Have you ever played a video game sequel? <laughs> right. Characters lose access to their to their gear, to their abilities. It happens. Book sequels do the same thing. In the Percy Jackson series, Percy Jackson and the Olympians was a series, a young adult series written by Rick Riordan. Where at the end of the series, small spoilers, the main character wins. Okay, that's not really that big of a spoiler. But the main character is freakishly powerful to the point where he is literally invincible at one point at the end of the series. So when the following series came around and the writer was going to include him as a main character, the number one first thing he did was take away that invincibility. This character was bar none, the most powerful character in the fiction. And then in the beginning of his next appearance in the following series was like, yeah, no, he's no, he doesn't got any of that. He's just a normal person. Maybe yeah. he's got a little bit of latent power in there that will come up, that will come out at the same rate that it did originally. But he immediately lost his invincibility. He lost a lot of his memory. So he didn't, you know, didn't even know where he, he didn't know how powerful he was. And so it is a very common thing in fiction to reset back to zero. Mm -hmm. Maybe not even necessarily back to zero, but like reset back to pretty darn low. Right. And if you try, you can come up with reasons for why your character is the same way. If you're a fighter, you have a drinking problem and you've been out of practice. Hundred Boom. Done. Hundred percent. You just did it. If you're a wizard... You, I don't know, a ritual went wrong and you lost all your power. Your power was siphoned off by a rival wizard or whatever. If yeah. you're a cleric, your god turned their back on you or your god died or something like that. For every character concept, there is a way that you can you can rationalize why you used to be a legendary dragon slayer and now you are fighting goblins. It just It's going to take some work. And that work can be very fun if... If you're viewing it as an opportunity rather than an imposition, if you work with your DM to figure out why is it that my character can't access all of his money, all of his political power, then you can come up with reasons that will be suitable for everyone. The yeah. problem is when a player says, no, 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 I should be able to use that when they probably know that they shouldn't be. Able right. To use yeah. That. <laughs> like, um, but that's what my character has. That's what my character. Exactly. Would do. 
Um, when we were running, so in our, our Patreon Roll20 games, I was running an Eberron game a few months ago where uh, one of the players, uh, Stiltskin Koopa 84, uh, he is playing. He was playing a character that he wanted to play, basically a transformer. He wanted to play a, a Optimus Prime. And at first, I'll admit, my first knee-jerk reaction was to try and like limit the sort of of you know higher-powered things that he could do. I I definitely will cop to that. I have these knee-jerk reactions for that sort of thing, but. It took me a while, but I did eventually work in. He even said like, oh, he wanted to have previously had this like super powered armor that he his character's goal was to eventually retrieve it. And for a while, like it was it was hard for me to find a way to work that into the game. Um, but eventually I did. Eventually I was like, OK, the big bad has his powered armor and now they have to go fight the big bad to get it back. And then that played into the final confrontation of that campaign was they they they're they're face to face with the big bad and Stiltskin Koopa 84 had joked about like oh what if i still had a key fob that activates or deactivates it and so i was like okay hey guess what you're face to face with the bad guy you remember you have your key fob <laughs> and so that gave me an easy way to transition into from a super powerful bad guy with this super powered armor to a normal bad guy that does not have powered armor. So I, I was able to use it to make the final fight more manageable than it would have been otherwise. Sure. So like work with this stuff. If, if, if you just shut all that stuff down, if you don't work with the player, if the player doesn't work with the DM that you're cutting yourself off from so much potential. Um, one other thing on this topic, one person said, what do you do when the supposedly legendary PC gets one shotted in the first encounter? <laughs> and my response was the same thing you do anytime anyone gets one shotted in any encounter. Like, yeah. what do you do when you're at the end of an epic campaign and then there's a TPK? You either say, okay, let's start over. Or you pick up the pieces and you move on. Like, I don't really see why... Uh, yes, it does make that PC seem less legendary, but that happens to everybody. Right. High-level parties get TPKs often. I mean, not not all the time, but it can happen. There is always the chance that a character or a party will get unceremoniously killed due to poor planning or bad rolls or whatever. That's not something unique to a PC with a legendary backstory. Yeah, they might die in one hit. The high-level PC might die in one hit, too, from whatever circumstances. You either accept it or you don't, you know? Hmm. So I've just rambled on for over an hour <laughs> about this. Just this is something I feel really passionate for because sure. it you are cutting yourself off from good game, from good fiction, from good fun you could be having for something that is arbitrary. And I guarantee you already consume fiction where this isn't an issue. Right. You, you've probably all seen Lord of the Rings and I doubt anybody said, no, no, no. Gandalf only casts a second level spell. He couldn't, he couldn't be a celestial. He couldn't be a demigod or whatever. No, it just, just enjoy the game, everybody. Stop. <laughs> and this is this goes to me too. Everyone out there, everyone, players, DMs, everyone. Stop shutting people down. <laughs> Roll with it. 
Have fun with it. It's a game. The point isn't to build a story going forward. The point is to have fun. If you're having fun with a 200-page backstory, if you're having fun with your backstory is way cooler than what's going on in the game right now, all the power to you. Good luck in the future. (laughs) Have fun. (laughs) Oh, I need a drink. Oh, goodness. Not delicious RC cola. I need like (laughs) a delicious RC cola. Yes, that's what I need. So... Clearly, that was the only one of our regular questions for today. Thank oh, you very much, Ragnar Dragonfire, for arguing with me online to, to, <laughs> to, to prompt this. Um, but we do still have our social media questions. I don't think we got a lot of responses from uh, from our last question, so this won't take too long. Our last question was, have any of your RPG books met an untimely end? If so, what happened? Did you have an answer, Jeff? Um, I don't think I... No, like, because I, I don't have a ton of books, but I don't, I don't think any of them are um, in like terrible condition. Sure, I think may, maybe some of the maybe some of the bindings a little loose, but I think what actually prompted me to come up with this question in the first place, I remember many many years ago when I first started playing with Chris Ding and also his girlfriend at the time, Melissa. There was one time they showed up to the game, and they explained that they, I think, like their player's handbook and DMG had been destroyed. The reason being they were in a car accident and like hmm. they were they were destroyed in the crash. Oh, but no. the way that Melissa described it, I thought was hilarious. I still remember it to this day. She said, we were driving along and as fate had it, two of us were destined to go in that crash. I'm glad it was them and not us. <laughs> sure. I just thought that was great. So so that's that's what happened with them. I put up the picture that I put for this question was uh some of the binding on my books being uh, chewed off by a particular rabbit. <laughs> so uh, we got a couple of responses on Facebook. Ela M says, my grandmother made cloth covers that were custom fit to all the books and literally made enough for every player in the family to suit up a whole set of core books. Granny even made extras in case we wanted to get the supplemental books. She didn't play D&D. She just wanted us to have nice toys. My 3.5 player's handbook is still in mint condition and still enrobed in its gold cloth book cover. Nice. That's an awesome granny right there. Yeah. Good Good, job. Good job, Elaine. Sean M says, it's not an end, but this time last year, I got ghosts of salt marsh for my birthday. My puppy was five months old and teething. Oh, yep. It went that well. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Pour one out for, for the... (laughs) <laughs> yeah. for the, the lost friends but the puppy over on reddit brandon dorf i haven't heard from brandon dorf in a very very long time yeah uh brandon dorf says this must have been some sometime between 2014 and 2016 i was brand new to D at the time and was also a young college student aka very broke so buying my very own brand new fifth edition player's handbook was quite the milestone for me I took it pretty much wherever I went in my high school backpack to look over and read if I ever had time between classes and work. One day, I went on a hike with my friend and our dogs. I had just gotten out of class, so my backpack with my player's handbook, along with a laptop, textbooks, and countless notes, sat in the backseat of my car. I'm sure you know where this is going. We parked at the start of the trail and had a fun time only for any and all good feelings to be shattered just like the back windows of my and my friend's cars. They had been broken into and our things had been stolen. My friend lost his laptop as well. 
Police were called, and of course, nothing was recovered. It was a truly unfortunate time in my life, especially since paying for the window repair was quite the chunk out of my bank account. I also forgot to mention that it was finals week, so all of my schoolwork and a good number of textbooks had been nicked. Fortunately, I had a great statistics professor who felt for me and happened to be retiring that year. She gave me her instructor's edition of the textbook and gave me extra time to study. Also, I have great friends who pitched in for a brand new player's handbook for me. So I guess everything turned out all right. Cool. There you go. That's why you got to trap your books, everybody. Wizards know what they're doing. (laughs) They trap their spell books just like you should trap your player's handbooks. Right. Alistar the Minotaur says... I've, I've been pretty lucky, thankfully. While some of my books were definitely well used, none have been destroyed. That being said, I only have the player's handbook from 3.5, even though I owned all of the complete guides, complete divine, complete arcane, etc., and a, number, and a number of other related books. I let a friend borrow them, who let a friend borrow them, and let a friend borrow, and eventually they were just, they just disappeared into the ether. <laughs> I feel you. That's, yeah, that's definitely a thing that happens. Yeah, for sure. On Twitter, Big Little Weasel says, I've sold some of my player's guides if the money was good. The shame still lives in me. Everyone else had one or knew the rules. Yeah. It, <laughs> you know, I understand selling them. I also understand feeling feeling shame from that. Yeah. Just got a few on Discord. Stiltskinkoopo84 says, I've never had to retire a book yet, but I have spilled lactose-free milk on a couple of the pages, which stuck together when they dried, despite my having toweled them off. Never eat cereal or maybe any food over an open D&D manual. Right. Yeah, that's true. Uh, The Beverage Tea, looking at the picture of my books with the chewed binding, says, That picture is far sadder than any of the funeral pyre submissions so far. Books are the (laughs) genesis of heroes, so books are greater than heroes. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Collins B. says, Can't recall the title, but one of the early RPG books I purchased had an extremely untimely end. I had just purchased it from Barnes & Noble and had driven to a dentist appointment. I made the fatal mistake of leaving the book resting on the dashboard of my car. It sat in the sun the entire time I was in there, and when I returned to the car, the binding had melted, and the book was just loose pages and the cover. I am now eternally paranoid whenever I buy something that it is placed in a protected spot in the car so that traumatic experience won't happen again. Certainly part of the reason I almost exclusively use D&D Beyond now. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, always, yeah, always got to take care of leaving stuff in the car. Yeah. Peace Roy Pancake says, dude, these things cost me 50 euros a piece. They look as if they've never been used except a few sticky notes I can find stuff more easily. If I could vacuum seal them and still use them, I would. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like laminate every page. Yeah, yeah. So that was uh, that was our, our responses. Thank you very much, everybody who wrote in. Uh, so that was our last social media question. Our next one, and this is a, this is one of those like fairly open-ended ones. Design a magic ritual. What does it require and what does it do? Hmm. And this was sort of submitted by uh, a listener, Black Magus 2651, emailed me with kind of like just a description of a ritual. I'm not sure if it was for one of the segments of the show, but it gave me the idea. I mean, what if we did? What what if people designed <laughs> rituals? So yeah, right, yeah. What does it do, and and what do you have to do in order to perform it? This makes me think of uh, in World of Warcraft. Yeah, uh, 
there was one of the, like with warlock there was like a high level warlock spell where you needed like five people and you would channel this spell and one of the like one random person in that group would die but you oh, would summon yes. a de- like a really you powerful would summon demon a doom guard yeah and then you could then in like enslave that demon and then fight with it yes oh man and, and it was like i don't th- i've never done this and like i you know i played Warcraft over the years and I've played yeah. you know Warlock was one of my main characters that I played so like it was just one of those things that you always just heard about but never did and like I don't know it was just like a really cool it was just like a really cool idea it's like oh one of us is gonna die but we get this powerful demon to fight with us and <laughs> what I you gotta they, do is you gotta use that in the middle of like a low level settlement and then don't enslave it <laughs> right oops <laughs> and like and like over the years as they like updated the game and stuff like they got they got rid of that and then yeah. but they brought the doom guard they do the doom guard back but as just like a like like a 10 you just minute summon it. yeah you just summon it but it's like a 10 minute cooldown and then you, yeah. it only it's only up there for like 12 it only stays around for 12 seconds and does a bunch of damage and then leaves but i feel like they've i feel like they've brought it back or something i can't remember i feel like there is something where there they they brought something something similar back to to warlock recently i can't remember but yeah but I, like i just i like stuff like that where it's like yeah. you got to get a bunch of casters together and summon a, a giant demon that may or may not help you who knows yeah so yeah i i don't have a, a good answer i will try to come up with something good uh between mm. now and and when uh when when we Get, get listener submissions for this. Cool. So that'll do it for our questions for today. Thank you. Uh, thank you again, everybody. That was a very long question segment. I apologize, but <laughs> I don't know. I'll see how long it is after editing. So uh, let's, let's before we close out, let's relax. Myself especially, Gabe. Calm down. <laughs> calm, down. calm down, Gabe. <laughs> let's relax. Let's take a deep breath. <sighs> let's remember those who have come before us, who have given their lives so that we may have a better world to live in. If it was in your backstory, it doesn't count, apparently. As we toss <laughs> another log onto the funeral pyre. <laughs> Today's funeral pyre was submitted by Jonathan L. via email. And Jonathan says, I, I don't know how I'm going to pronounce this. I'll try it. Uh, Merenditho Pegasus. Uh-huh. Merenditho I'll say Morendatho Pegasus, the self-proclaimed bard extraordinaire of Baldur's Gate, set out to reclaim his enchanted loot from the thieves who stole it from him. After weeks of unexpected events, he found himself in an adventuring party hiding amongst the ranks of a large dragon cult they were trying to thwart. However, after finding his loot and being knocked unconscious by a single hit from a greater demon, Marin... I guess, Marin decided it was time to return home and bid his party farewell. One new character and 10 plus sessions later, and then in parentheses, uh, Jonathan said, I'm now a Warforged totem barbarian named B345T, or Beast. (laughs) The party continues to stalk the cult. One night, a war party returned back from Baldur's Gate with hooded prisoners in tow. The cult leader congregated his followers and flaunted the prisoners, saying he would make an example of these final survivors. He pulled back the prisoners' hoods, revealing one of them to be none other than Merenditho Pegasus. Mm. Before the party could react, the leader's red dragon inhaled deeply and instantly incinerated the prisoners. 
the cultists began scooping up the ashes and preparing them for an upcoming ceremony. Mm. And then uh, Jonathan added at the end, before anyone cries foul on my DM's actions, he did privately ask my permission to kill this character about a week before, and it ended up being a beautiful moment that added gravitas and direction to the campaign that was lacking before. He also followed up with me the day after and asked me to write a letter from Marin that would later be delivered to the rest of the party, telling them what happened in his last days, including saving countless civilians and landing the killing blow on one of the cult's greatest warriors. Cool. So, let's raise a glass in memory of Merinditho Pegasus, who got his ash kicked. <laughs> Clink. Clink. Oh, goodness. Sorry, Jonathan, that... Uh, that was bad. My 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 send off was bad. I mean, the story was great. So that'll do it for today. To submit questions for us to discuss, items for the Dragon Sword, or stories for the funeral pyre, please email us at interpartyconflict at gmail.com. For show notes, links to media mentioned on the show, and running lists of questions and magic items, go to interpartyconflict.com. Join the discussion on social media. Find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash interpartyconflict, on Reddit at r slash interpartyconflict, on our interparty Discord, or on Twitter at inpartyconflict for our weekly social media questions. Your answers might end up on the show. Check us out on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, YouTube, Spotify, anywhere you download podcasts. Please rate, review, subscribe, or just tell a friend. If you want to support the show monetarily, check out the rewards at patreon.com slash interpartyconflict. We have a few different tiers, so anything you can spare, even a dollar a month, would go towards making the show better, and you'll get bonus content for it. Jeff, tell us about FriendQuest. FriendQuest is a YouTube channel where you can watch us play video games, or you can watch me play games live over at twitch.tv slash tiltedtortle. There you go. Also head over to bit.ly slash interpartyconflict to take a short survey about our show. What you like, what you don't like, etc. And just for taking it, you'll get two free printable board games, courtesy of Mary and Tom over at hollandspiel.com. And our music is made by Boxcat Games from Nameless the Hackers RPG. So, Jeff, until next time. Gabe, you should know the outro. It was in page 134 of my backstory. <laughs> <laughs>